Coming up on this week's episode of the Real Lives Podcast. After doing Antarctica, I see how much my life changed just from that one event. It just cascaded a whole bunch of different things to happen in my life. And I think, fuck, mm. next year, what's the next big thing? I was like, man, I've been putting this ceiling on myself. And that helped open the floodgates where I thought, fuck, I can do way more than what I thought I could do. More than that, again, is when I went there and I realized all the the stuff that you have to go through to get there, the logistics that they have to go through, the setup, the food, the specialty aircraft that has to come in, the, the pilots that have to fly. And I kind of think 30 grand is probably pretty cheap. There's <laughs> guys doing and girls doing so much more than anything I've, I've even thought I'm capable of. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. I gotta do more. On this week's episode, I have on the definition of true grit and self-motivation, and that's Alex Cleary. Alex is an Australian who recently ran the Antarctic Marathon um, back in December, and I flew out to Belfast on New Year's Day to do this episode with him because, you know, we tried to get it done for a while, and basically timelines didn't align with me moving out of Australia, him being in Mali for work and stuff like that. And so I saw he was in Belfast, booked a last minute flight, got it done. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, and in this episode, we get into a multitude of things. We talk about how running's changed his mentality, the power of good habits. Um, we talk about why he got into running in the first place and ha- why he now runs uh, for the Black Dog Institute, which is a mental health charity. We, t- we talk about a lot of things where you can change your habits for the better and it's not even big things, it's very small things like writing things down, scoring your mood from one to 10 on a daily basis so you can look back and see where the problems may lie. We talk about his recent journey into going sober. He's now been six months sober and um, you know the way he spoke about it and the, when we spoke after the podcast, it's clearly changed, changed things for the better for him and it's great to see. Um, but yeah, I, this episode is... It's probably one of the most in-depth ones that I've done. Um, and Alex has an incredible Instagram, at Clearly Runs. Uh, so go give him a follow over there. You can find all his socials and everything uh, down in the description below. So make sure to give him a follow and support him. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode with Alex. Alex, appreciate you coming on. It's uh, honestly like this is probably one of like the ones I wanted to get done for so fucking long because I saw you on the Action Impact. Jess Lyle, right? That's the name. Yeah. And I was like, that's like a marathon in Antarctica is fucking incredible. That, but then also the story behind why you're doing it was like, for me, I was like, that is absolutely insane. So I'm glad to get it done. But just for anyone who doesn't know, just give an overview of who you are and what you do. I'm Alex Cleary and I run a lot. <laughs> and I run a lot um, because I think it's been a bit of a catalyst for. Uh, a lot of change in my life particularly this year um among other years but yeah particularly this year and yeah i wanted i like to challenge myself and running a marathon in antarctica was one of the ways i thought would be a good start well firstly where did the idea for the marathon in antarctica come from and then how in the fucking on earth did you get to like because obviously the logistical side of it is high-end stuff so how did you get to the, the realization like this is actually logistically possible, even like with the finance of it and stuff like that? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, earlier in 2023, I watched a good mate of mine. He lost, geez, I don't know, maybe almost 40 kilos of, yeah, just from running. 
and I saw the effort that he put in because I only ever knew him as like a bigger bloke. So then when I saw him lose all this weight, change so much about him, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like I need to do a lot more because <laughs> I'm I'm already reasonably athletic normally. Mm. And so I already have a better starting block than he does and I'm doing fuck all compared to what he's doing. Yeah. So I sort of watched him go through that transformation and I sort of looked at my own life and I was like, man, I'm, I'm sort of doing the things that I think I should be doing, but I'm doing them at such a low volume compared to what I just witnessed Yeah, that I felt, ash- or not ashamed, but I just sort of looked at myself and I thought, fuck me, like I can do better than that. Yeah. So yeah, I just looked up the hardest marathons in the world mm. and one in Antarctica popped up and I was just like, holy fuck, That's the that one. would be sick. Yeah. That would be nuts because imagine just imagine like yeah. you just imagine it and you think yeah. oh my god that would be crazy you see the videos of antarctica and stuff and you instantly i feel like you're always in awe when you see this that kind of stuff because it's just so vast and there's not there's nothing there like, yeah like, it's so different from from where i grew up and what i know that when i see something like that even i lived in canada for a little bit and seeing the ski mountains is like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this. So mm. Antarctica is exactly like that for me. Yeah. And so obviously, like, because I had a look at the actual marathon setup itself and what I, like, I was blown away by the cost of it. $20,000 <laughs> US dollars as well yeah. to get it done. So I'm interested to know, like, did you fund that yourself or because obviously you got a load of sponsorships along the way. Did they help fund that as well for you? No, I paid all of it because I wanted to make all the sponsorships donate instead of pay because I felt I felt like this is something that I want to do personally mm. and I, I just had, I had the money sitting there. It was invested and I was like, fuck the investments. Yeah. Pulled all the money out and put it into that over some careful de- <laughs> deliberation <laughs> i'll be honest at the time it was probably i mean it was definitely not the smartest decision at the time financially but to me i looked at that and i thought man this is sort of a once in a lifetime sort of deal if i do this then i can say that i did something pretty cool in 2023 and I, it's something i can look back at and be grateful for i suppose but more than that when i think about it now it's impacted my life way more than i ever could have imagined because signing up for that marathon then started the journey to start an instagram page and making the content and getting the sponsors and doing the fundraising and to me that is worth so much more than the 30 grand that, that i proposed and more than that again is when i went there and i realized all the the stuff that you have to go through to get there the logistics that they have to go through the setup the food the specialty aircraft that has to come in the the pilots that have to fly and i kind of think 30 grand is probably pretty cheap yeah honestly because as well because obviously i was watching your like the antarctica part one and two videos that you did and i was sat with some friends last night because i was obviously telling them that like this is what i was coming to do and I was explaining, because obviously you can't just, there's no set schedule for flights to Antarctica because the weather can change so drastically. And it baffled me, like, because you obviously could have been sat in an airport for 12 hours just waiting for this flight, but you don't know when, when it's going to leave or what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird circumstance because they, they, they brought us in for the briefing and you're sort of going through the stuff 
And to be honest, it's hard to pay attention because there's so much stuff that they're going through, mm. flight times, and people are like, wait, but hold on, like, and and what about? And everyone's just like sort of freaking out a little bit. Mm. But they, they pretty much just bring you in, you check in for your flight the day before. So you give them your bags, you get your 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 boarding pass, I suppose. Yeah. And then they they text you the night before and they say, it should be about 11 o'clock we're going. So then you get to the airport for 11 and you get another text in the morning saying, yeah, the, the weather window still looks viable. Yeah. And then it all comes down to the pilot on the day and then you sort of get to the airport and we waited probably another hour or two. That's not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't too yeah. bad. I've heard some crazy ones like years before where they, they were stuck in Antarctica for a week or Shit. things like that. And I'm like, oh man, that sounds yeah, that's crazy. Right. Like. You want to go there and obviously experience it, but once you're done, you're kind of ready to leave. And it's like, if you're then stuck there for a week, fuck it. Like, because obviously, if the weather's that bad, you probably you're probably stuck inside the entire time. So you kind of like, what what do you do? The entire yeah, time? yeah. I don't know how bad the weather would be there. I think flying there is difficult because it's such a big window that they need because they need to fly there, touch down, unpack repack the plane and fly off again yeah and then have the weather good enough to fly in and fly out yeah so it's yeah it's a bit more than just well if they can fly there like a normal flight it would be easy but it's the there the unpack the return yeah the, the plane can't stay there overnight mm. or anything like that how long's the flight from chile to get there oh, it's only four hours from oh, that's not too bad. yeah yeah it's 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 not too bad yeah Bloody hell. so what was the plane like itself like flying over uh the plane was just like a normal flight except they had um they had two rows dedicated to just extra sleeping bags i think <laughs> in case there was a emergency yeah. or they had to stay or something like that and you got to pick any seat you wanted <laughs> sweet ass <laughs> the plane was only filled with us so mm. it's, it wasn't a full plane and everyone's got so much gear that they got to lug on to the plane it's a bit of a pain in the ass like yeah. extra boots extra pants extra jacket yeah it is a bit of a pain in the ass so when you got there like logistically what was the setup like you, you were camping right so but then other than that like in terms of your meals and everything like what was going on with all that yeah well we pretty much you land on the ice runway and then they they've all picked us up in um their modified vehicles like some had um not wheels but uh, like treads mm. like rubber treads instead and then we'd all jump in those and sort of go back to the camp which was I don't know, 20 minutes away yeah and then the camp is pretty much just a bunch of tents for people to sleep in and then there's like a, a mess so like a somewhere to eat there's a library there's mm. a few other bits and pieces there's mechanics out the back and there's sort of just like a flag section big square and they say don't leave there because it is unsafe oh shit because i think they they get satellites to to look into the ground and they also have their team um surveying the sort of place so that they know where the crevasses are yeah and know the points that you need to watch out for yeah okay yeah so that's pretty intense like but obviously you're probably used to it having you know work on a compound in africa kind of thing so you're used to that being enclosed somewhere yeah it's but, almost the same thing yeah basically <laughs> just a bit colder yeah but um so yeah like in terms of as well the preparation for that race because obviously you work in africa where it's 30 plus degrees most days mm. you know you're from australia where again it's th like well you're from queensland right so it's like 
same 30 yeah. degrees most days and then in melbourne obviously a bit here and there but still it's not that cold and you're not getting those extremes so what are you what were you doing for prep for it for the cold weather prep absolutely nothing there's nothing i could do yeah. to be honest because exactly what you say i've majority of my time is spent in africa working there's absolutely nothing i can do there to be in cold weather yeah there's not a freezer they'll ever let me run in <laughs> there's not there's nothing like that yeah so it's there was basically nothing i could do when mm. i was in melbourne i would run like i usually run early in the morning anyway so you get a bit of chill but it's fuck all compared to what antarctica was yeah so so what was that like for you then when you when you got there and obviously you did you saw a shakeout run how did you feel on that like then thinking ahead towards the race well it was almost um <laughs> it was it was a bit of a, a bluff that that shakeout run because you get there you put your gear on and the day that we landed conditions were perfect oh, literally yeah. perfect like bluebird day no wind mm. It was almost it was almost hot. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, so it was just beaming down on you, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like negative five or something like that. And when you're running in negative five, no wind chill, you don't need fuck all. Like I didn't yeah. wear a balaclava for the for the shake around. I didn't have gloves on. Mm. I just had like little inners on, and I was like, oh, bro, this would be pretty cruisy. Like I just had glasses on, no goggles. Mm. I was like, oh man, it almost felt a little bit ripped off. Like if this is what tomorrow is going to be like, yeah. I might get a good time here. That's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Apart yeah. from like the, the snow underfoot is pretty rough because it's, it's pretty much like running on sand yeah. and you got to sort of pick your line. Uh, yeah, it was a big bluff because when we finished the shakeout run the very next day, uh, the very, uh, straight after that, I think we had dinner and then we had uh, uh, the race briefing for the next day. Yeah, And they pretty much just said, Today is absolutely nothing like what tomorrow will be. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so they said it'll be similar temperature. I think they said negative negative five to negative eight, and mm. then they said the wind chill was going to bring it up to about negative twenty five. So windy as fuck. Because when when you get off the plane, it was in a natural uh, natural wind channel. Yeah, which helps keep the runway sort of clear of snow a bit. Yeah, but it had a natural sort of hill. And then the camp was on the other side of that. So okay. it would block a lot of the wind until it got over, they said something like 10 knots or 15. I can't remember what they said, mm. but it was way above that. Oh, <laughs> Which meant when we woke up the next morning, like the tents are like rickety, shaking around. Mm. And as soon as I walked out, I was like, fuck this. This is freezing. <laughs> <laughs> like the day before, I was almost just wearing a shirt and like long pants and like some stuff. So when I walked out the next morning, I was like, fuck this. Got the big jacket, got the fucking <laughs> beanie on. I was like, no way. Jesus, yeah. And then obviously you were there at a time where it's 24 hours of daylight in Antarctica. So like in terms of, the day of the race when you woke up for it how were you feeling in terms of like recovery and like were you nervous as well like what what was going through your head yeah it's it's rough because the tents are fucking bright yellow yeah so there's it's like it's like you got a light in your tent that's just beaming into <laughs> yeah. your eyes yeah it was pretty shit sleep to be honest i was wearing a beanie like over my face mm. just to try and block out some light um so yeah it was it was not fantastic i didn't really need any recovery because probably the last five days before that, I hadn't really done much running. I had one run in Punta Arenas. Wait, hang on. Didn't, I swear you did a marathon like the week before and won the marathon. The straight of... No, that was two days after though. Oh, was it? I thought that was before. No, nah, no, nah, after. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you go and run a marathon in Antarctica, 
come fourth in that, and then you go and fucking run another marathon elsewhere and find it like finish it first after like probably one of the hardest races you could ever do in the world. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was it was good fun, but most of the people that were racing in that uh, straight of Magdalene were people from, or well, actually all of them, sorry, were from people people that had run in antarctica okay yeah. so they're all running on sore legs and i think that's the only reason why i won is because that's yeah the worse the conditions the sore everyone is the better i think i can do yeah but i mean christ still to win it is pretty crazy <laughs> like but yeah as well because obviously you said it's like running on sand mm. so you obviously a lot of your preparation was done in mali on that dirt track so was that would you say that was helpful in preparation for running on the snow or was it completely different nah, it was completely different mm. it was I, I think the only the only benefit i got from my training apart from a good aerobic base and maybe some speed was that it's hard like after 12 hours of work it's hard to mentally say fuck this i'm gonna go run 10ks i'm gonna yeah. go run 12ks and then go and eat dinner and then quickly go to bed so i think all of my training really prepared me mentally more than anything mm. yeah okay and then as well, during that, like, while you were in the preparation, while you were still in Mali, what was, how, like, were you able to recover much? Because obviously you're starting work, at, was it like 3.30 in the morning? And you're, you know, 12 hours on, and then you're trying to get that run in. You were also doing the, the run streak of 100 plus days. So, like, how how was the body feeling after all that? Like, were you just a bit, like, taxed sort of thing? Or was it, were you fine with it? Yeah, no, it's pretty taxing. Mm. After six weeks, I'm pretty fucked. I'm yeah. pretty tired. But I didn't start that way. That's just how I am now. Yeah, so yeah. when I started, I, I thought the maximum I could ever run at work was 25Ks in one week. And that would be 5Ks for five days of the week. Yeah. And to me, at that point, I thought that was absolute max. I'm fucking exhausted. There's no way I could do more than that. Mm. And there was one week where someone said to me, oh, you won't run 10Ks a day. I was like, fuck yeah, I will. I'll mm. give it a crack. And then I did it and I sort of thought, I was like, man, I've been putting this ceiling on myself and that helped open the floodgates where I thought, fuck, I can do way more than what yeah. I thought I could do. And it's just keep pushing that, well, keep pushing that ceiling higher and higher until you realize the more I push, the more my body adapts, the more I can push more. Yeah. This is the thing as well, like with a lot of people do, like I, I've got friends who, you know, they try to get into running and they say like, oh, I get bored after 5K and I'm like, but you've not experienced what it's like after that. Like when you, when you, like you hit the boredom and you push through it, there's almost an element of fun that you can get to that like, you know, it, even if it's like just an extra K or K after that, like, because that feeling of accomplishment afterwards as well, it's like, fuck, I can do more than what I thought. Yeah. And, but most people sit at where they think they're capable of being when actually you can go far and beyond like in your case where you know you started out probably running what like a few k and then now you you're running ultras 100k geelong to melbourne antarctic fucking marathons like <laughs> the works kind of thing so let's go back to the very sort of start of when you got into running and like what was it that got you into it and also did you ever like did you ever want to do marathons and things like that or was that something that came later no, I never really cared about running at all. No, really? no I, marathons were never on the on the list. I think during COVID, uh, I was stuck in Melbourne. I, I was overseas and I came back. I was stuck in Melbourne and I love playing sport. 
mainly team sport because I like the camaraderie. Mm. And I was sort of just sitting around. I thought, man, this is no good sitting around. I was doing, I was spending a lot of time trying to learn photography. And then I was like, man, I need to do something for my fitness. Yeah. So I started running and uh, I don't know, I liked it. I liked the obsession of the early morning, the waking up, running, pushing through, then then spending the day playing with photography stuff. And then mm. the more I enjoyed it, the more I was like, man, I could, I could maybe do it a little bit faster. And I didn't know anything about running then. So I was just pushing every single run, pushing as hard as I could. And I probably yeah. did that maybe eight weeks and then busted my knee. And then mm. I stopped running uh, for a, a fair, fairly long time, probably a year and a bit. And then, yeah, it was just sort of, with my lifestyle where I'm always flying, always moving around. I'm never really in a place where I can play team sports. Running is something that I can do anywhere. All I need is a pair of shoes. So it's sort of been just the accessibility that that's bought it there. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one as well because so many people got into running in lockdown. Like it became, like obviously became a massive craze. And now, you know, I feel like before lockdown, everyone saw marathons as like the pinnacle. And then now you're seeing people run, stupid distances like hardy skis are at the minute yeah <laughs> he's like 260 something days in of 60k a day yeah. across africa and like i feel like now people are beginning to appreciate what running is and what it can do for you in terms of it's i feel like it's one of the few things in sport or in life where you get to a place mentally that you cannot get to otherwise yeah it's up there the yeah. more i run the more i realize how piss week all of my achievements are and i think fuck man there's, <laughs> there's guys doing and girls doing so much more than anything I've, I've even thought i'm capable of and i'm like fuck yeah i gotta do more <laughs> yeah, this is it like when, if, when i interviewed economy bartlett she's mm. like 80 days into a marathon a day and she also did 150 in the end like i sat after that interview like fuck there's so much more i can do with my life <laughs> and it's crazy because oh. it's it's, it is motivating in a way as well because it makes you think like if they can do it i can surely do it because like again it's that thing you know you for like i'm from a sporting background and stuff like that it's like i'm like yeah i can fucking go and do this shit yeah. like, like i need just you need to put the time in to do it kind of thing 100 percent, 100 percent. the more i see running the more i realize that there's so many just normal people doing just crazy fucking things you look at you like that is, he's no sponsored athlete. He's no special mm. case. He's no track athlete from way back. And now he's running marathons at fucking sub yeah. 220. That's just a fucking engineer running across Australia. Like Chris Literally, Turnbull yeah. is a beast. Yeah, exactly. And you look at him, he's like, he's just a normal dude. Yeah, this is it. And it's like Rob Pope who I interviewed as yeah, well. Like, exactly. He's literally, he was a vet in Liverpool and he just got sick and tired of working stupid hours and was like, fuck it, I'll go run across America ended up running five times across America and like, you know, he, they remortgaged the house so they could do it. And like, there wasn't, there was obviously sponsorship involved, but a lot of it was self-funded and it was like, that was just him. He's not even, he's not even your typical, like, you know, you get the, the motivational kind of runners. He's not even that. Like, he's just like, he's just in it for the fun of it. Yeah. Like he's, he doesn't have anything else for it. Like he's just like, and it wasn't, it was like, I think he did it for WWF, the obviously World Wildlife Fund. And, you know, he's just, what I think he was just more, you like, just down to earth. Like, he's just, couldn't give a fuck about anything. He's just like, <laughs> I want to do Forrest Gump's run, so I'm going to go fucking do it. Like, yeah. and that's what's crazy. And it's like, you, you see these people who, you know, 
you could meet them 10 years ago and then all of a sudden you see them again on the street and they're like, what have you done? And they're like, oh yeah, I ran five times across America or I've gone and done an Antarctic marathon. Like, yeah. And it's fucking crazy. And, you know, this is what, like, like when I spoke to my dad before about what you did, he was like, is he fucking mental? And I'm like, <laughs> probably. But also people can do this shit now. You can just yeah. go and do it. Because obviously I think as well, like it's a lot of the younger like generation that are doing it. Whereas the older generation, it's like, you know, people in the 40s, the 50s are still a lot, like very stuck in that. That's too like extraterrestrial almost to do that kind of thing like it's well without like out of their realm you know yeah I mean? yeah so like we don't do that we we go to work we look after our family and that's it yeah yeah i think there's a lot more to life than that and that scares me a lot thinking about is this it yeah no and the more i do these sort of challenges the more i think fuck man there's so much more mm. to this than i ever thought that's yeah for sure yes yeah, like you you've probably you know you've probably completed the Antarctic marathon and then you're looking straight away at what else you can go and do. Oh yeah, we're already locked in. What what, what are we talking? Uh, next is uh, Ultraman in May. Okay, that's a uh, 10k swim, then a 420k ride and a 84k run. Jesus Christ! Over three days. Where's so where's that? That's in Noosa in May. Ah oh, fuck. That's the plan. That's 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 what I'm training for now. That's I'm trying to learn how to swim at the moment. Is that why there's all the swimming content now? On yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of swimming content because I can run good enough. Yeah, I'm I just about to buy a bike. Yeah, but I can't swim at all. So yeah, it's, it's learning how to swim at the moment. So I I had knee surgery four months ago, and in the build up to it, I couldn't run because my knee was just like shafted. So started swimming. Yeah. It's the most humbling experience you'll, <laughs> anyone will ever go through. You yeah. think you can swim and then you try and do laps and laps and laps. Mm. And like, you, you feel like your lungs are about to burst. You can't like, you just, you look like a dog in water, basically. It's like, yeah. it's the worst feeling. But also it's so good to be like a beginner again at something. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. My whole life I've told myself I couldn't swim. And I think for a good portion of it, I couldn't. There's, there's no doubt about that. But when I was 20, I signed up for a triathlon, just a sprint one. Mm. So it was only a 800-meter swim. And I just did breaststroke the whole time and only because I could keep my head out of the water and breathe. Yeah. And I would stop and uh, hold on to the boys mm. so I wouldn't drown. <laughs> but before that, doggy paddle was as much as I could do. Yeah. And then since then, I thought that was, oh, yeah, I can swim. I can swim. Yeah. And I only did like three three triathlons then and then i've never been in a pool ever again <laughs> and then now i'm like fuck i need to learn how to do freestyle because breaststroke is not going to cut it for 10k yeah i think as well cycling is probably that's a that's a mind game that mm. like i used to cycle and that's it's not it can be hard but like you know in your long endurance rides it's i would like running because like there's a lot of fatigue with running whereas with cycling i feel like it doesn't hit you as much so you can obviously go for longer but it's that mental game mm. of you just sat staring at this sort of like 45 degree angle at the floor <laughs> and you, you don't move it like and your ass is hurting and you just yeah. like you know there for like three hours or what have you and 420k that's gonna be uh that's gonna be mind fucking a half i feel like for you yeah it's gonna be rough it's a it's 140k the first day after the swim okay. and then it's 280 the next day oh so it's split uh, it's, oh so you're splitting it up basically 
you're finished 140k and then they give you like the time off that night and then it's into the 280 what have you yeah shit yeah it's like a three-day triathlon so it's then the run the third day yeah just the run 84ks oh christ that's rough because <laughs> do you know who fergus crawley is no you'd be really interested to look at his stuff so he's a He's from, I think he's from the Wirral in England. And he, so he did his own double, double Ironman, but it was all like a continuous event oh, in Snowdon. I think, I think I've heard this. And yeah, so it's like, it's obviously double length swim, double length bike, double length run, but it's just back to back. Yeah. Back. And it's, he, he's done a documentary on YouTube about it. And it's That's like, interesting. Yeah, it's a really good one. I'll send you a link to it because it's like, yeah, you'll 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 love his stuff that he's done. Yeah, I was thinking about because this Ultraman is cool because it's. I wanted to do an Ultraman before I ever did an Iron Man because I think it's way cooler to just fuck the Iron Man and just go straight <laughs> for the the big one. Yeah, and it's it's a good motivator to just be like, well, I got to swim ten k, so if I'm not putting every ounce of effort into learning how to swim, yeah, I'm not gonna make it, and I'm gonna fucking waste everybody's time who's coming there to help me. Yeah, so it's sort of like fucking you'll learn how to swim now, or you'll be a loser to everybody around you. Yeah. So, but the in saying that, I there's the break each night to to sleep i would it would be cool to do it all at once like you say yeah because i think the the ultraman is double plus a smidge on yeah. the on a double iron man i think it would be it would be pretty crazy to do it, that it's like for me it'd be the cycling through the night mm, because obviously it'd be rough you've got nothing to look at there's nothing to stimulate the brain to keep you awake yeah because that would be a tough one yeah because i feel like with running you can I think the impact of the running would somewhat get you there. Like it get like obviously you'd have moments where you'd be knocking off, but yeah. on a bike there's with no impact. You're in the same position. You you know, I, f- I feel like that's the one where you're probably gonna come off and yeah, <laughs> you crash kind of thing. And that one's gonna hurt when you come off too. Oh isn't Christ, it? yeah, <laughs> oh, that would be bad. But yeah, he's like he's done some crazy like challenges. He did. I think he was the first person to do. He did a five, sub five minute mile, a five hundred, a five hundred kilo total in powerlifting, and a marathon in the same day. <laughs> and then he did. It was like a twelve hundred, a twelve hundred pound powerlifting total, and an Ironman in the same day, sub twelve hours. <laughs> like he's fucking mental. Like he's right up your street. That's but, a good effort. And it's like so. For you, obviously, like you're doing these things and you, are you ever looking at like doing things where you are going to be the first to do it or are you just looking at like, you just want the higher challenges? Yeah. The, the first is something that is tantalizing. Mm. It is. It is. I'm still wondering what it'll be. I think I'm not that good of an athlete just yet. Maybe, yeah. but I don't know. I think a just, lot of the time, some of those first, they're not athletes at all. They're just people who have just got a crazy good mind. So mm. I don't know. I really want to get some Guinness World Records or yeah. some Australian World Records. But man, people are setting the bar really high. So it's pretty... Um... Mm. Oh. <laughs> a little interruption. Just going to come in. No. No, it's gone. I'm good. <laughs> oh, little interruption. Oh, wait, she's still there. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just busy. Mm-hmm. No, Sorry. thank you. <laughs> Keep that in, shall we? <laughs> <laughs>
Fuck, what was I talking about? Uh, being first. Oh, yeah. Being, being yeah, there's some, there's some cool ones. Like there's a lady that ran uh, 200 ultra marathons in 200 days. Something like Christ. that excites me. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. Those those ones, I love them because it's the it shows the power of routine. Like Ned Brockman did it, didn't he? He did 50 marathons in 50 days. Yeah. And obviously, I can't remember Bartlett. And it's like, you know, that... He, he obviously was doing it and going to work. Yeah. And that, I love that because it's like, it, show, it shows people as well that even if you have a full-time job, mm. you can make time for shit. Yeah. Like, it's just a case of it, if you want it hard, like that much, you can do it. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's what you're doing as well. It's like, you know, you work in the 12-hour days and then you're still getting out on your 1K track and <laughs> running laps, like daily kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I take, it's it's almost motivating getting out there because I love hearing people's origin stories about long before they were ever some crazy athlete like David Goggins or there's another guy, I can never remember his name, but he was, he was talking about he used to run half marathon before he'd go and work in the military during the day. And that was sort of one of his campaigns. Nah, not Kim Haynes. Kim Haynes is also another legend. Yeah, that is that is on that where he's running crazy distances. It's like a marathon a day. And he was doing it while doing a full-time job as yeah, well. Yeah, loose unit. Yeah. But I, the, when I think about running in Africa or I think about swimming on my lunch break on night shift, they're the, I think about those and I'm like, yeah, one day I'll be able to point to that and say, this is why I was able to do what I do today. Mm. Is it... Did your mindset almost change though? Like, so obviously when you started running and it was like, fuck, I've got to go and got to run tonight after work, you know, after this full shift, was it almost you were like, did it switch to be where you would be midway through a shift and all you could think about is getting out for that run? Sometimes I fucking dread it. I dread that really? run after the day. Hmm. Yeah. Especially a lot of the time during that run streak, because I'm a stubborn prick. I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose the run streak <laughs> because I was just lazy and I didn't yeah. want to run. And yeah, there were days when I just look at my shoes for like half an hour, mm. and I'm looking at. It and the, the longer I look at my shoes, the less sleep I'm going to get that night because the turnaround is tight. I got to finish twelve hour shift, then I've got to run, and then I got to eat dinner, and then I got to straight to bed pretty much, mm. and then I got to wake up do it all again. Yeah, and then once you add in breakfast and dinner, there's you know. There's only so much time that you can get a good night's sleep yeah. and just keep going and going and going. So, yeah, I don't know. There's sometimes when that run is the best part of my day and there's sometimes when I'm absolutely dreading the yeah. first step. But then once I'm going, it's all good. It's mm. all smooth sailing after that usually. Yeah. So with running as well, obviously your mindset has changed drastically from probably when you started it. And you... So you like there's you've said online that you obviously used to drink to sort of get through your problems and stuff and obviously that's now changed where you use running as your outlet and use well activity as your outlet so how where did where did it come to you that you were like i need to change this and like make something positive of my life rather than be you know drinking your way through your problems and getting like stupidly drunk when you just didn't need to and that sort of thing yeah i think a few years ago, I started to make small steps towards a better life and they were just slow and gradual. That's when I started journaling and I started to 
wake up early and I started to do cold showers and just do things to mentally push myself a little bit further. Mm. And I think more so uh, this year is when... Oh, fuck. I forgot your question. Uh, <laughs> about the like your mindset shift and oh, like, obviously yeah, going from like the, the drink into then or to using positive things as your outlet rather than the negative where yeah, you make yourself yeah, feel like shit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. So, a few years I made the small steps and then this year the biggest leap um, has been when I finally fucking quit smoking and when I finally stopped drinking. Hmm. Uh, quitting smoking I've been trying to do for fucking years. I even got hypnotized at the start of 2023. Really? Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> but I was trying my absolute hardest to do it. And, and after all of it, all it was was a mindset switch where I, I just looked at myself and I said, am I the person who smokes or am I the person who's going to live this fantastic life and push myself to the limit? Because mm. those don't jive. Yeah. They don't jive at all. So quitting smoking was probably one of the, one of the biggest ones because it's one of the biggest things that I hated about myself. Mm. And then... After that, I didn't realize what an impact uh, stopping drinking would have had. That's been that's been a pretty gnarly one. We just hit six months today. Oh, congrats. Uh, six months. Because the more, yeah, it's a strange one drinking. Because I I never would have looked at my life and said I had a problem. I still I don't know. I think I was just young and I wanted to get fucked up. I yeah. like to party really. Yeah. I think I really had a partying problem. Mm. But now after I only started sort of dry July as a bit of something to challenge myself again. And then I did the month and I thought, oh, that wasn't actually that bad. Yeah. And then the longer I did it, the more I, I looked at the relationships that I had, the friendships that I had. And I thought, oh, maybe there's not a lot to that friendship. And I, everything that I do is based around drinking. And when you stop drinking, you sort of look at it and you think, why was I drinking then? Like, yeah. There's so many things I can do that is outside of drinking. And the more that I hang out with uh, friends without drinking i realized that it wasn't ever something that had to happen and it was just something that we all did out of default yeah and it's that thing as well like you're the product of the five people you spend most of your time with and if you're spending most of your time with people who are just drinking and things like that it's like what what are you going to become essentially and like i had a conversation with one of my friends the other day and he got himself into a bit of a bad way during uni and we stopped speaking for a bit and then when when i moved back i started speaking to him again and he was saying like the people he was hanging around with as soon as he stopped doing like the drugs and stuff with mm. them he was like i had nothing in common with them but the drugs but because he was doing it with them like obviously he thought oh this is great but then afterwards it was a what now like yeah. there's literally nothing to talk about and it's like i during my first year of uni i actually ended up going sober for about a year i think it was and that's a good effort. Yeah. It was Especially fucking, during uni. Yeah. It was like, because to be fair, like I moved to uni and I didn't have like the best experience of it. And it was like, a, I didn't like the social settings because you would go to, you know, someone's like pre's and you get there and everyone's just like, it's it's a game of how fucked up can you get? And exactly. There's, there's no substance to anything. And my, like, this is why I do this. I love the substance to the conversation. Like last night at, um i went to a new year's party and the one guy i was talking to was not drunk and we were like deep in a conversation (laughs) and it was like that's just the kind of shit that i enjoy and it was like i was like yeah i don't need this i don't need to be like you know people shouting at me for no you know just because it's like they they think it's funny or like you know causing shit going on the night out i was like just not here for it so took a year off it and it was probably one of the best things i could have done because also i was like i don't need this to have a good time 
Yeah. But then, like, I started drinking again, and now it's more like a, I, I like, I just enjoy a drink with my mates sometimes, like, yeah. you know, go to the pub or whatever. And it's one of those things I think everyone at some point should spend, you know, I don't know, a month, two months, three months sober and see how actually it does make you feel. Yeah, I think fucking 100% everyone should try it. Because the amount of conversations that I've had during it, because people sort of know that they should maybe try it and then they think, oh, yeah, but I could never. And I'm like, fuck, bro, you could. You yeah. 100% could. Yeah. And the the people that do do it, I think they're going to, it opens, it's at least opened my eyes a lot to exactly what you say, the conversations that you have and realizing that there's a lot more to life than just getting fucked up. Because for me, that was majority of my life was fucking doing as many drugs as I could and drinking as much as I could. Yeah. And then just jumping in in the middle here to say, please like, subscribe, share the podcast, all the bullshit that people ask for. Because again, I want to get amazing guests on every week and without your support, I can't do that. So please, if you could just like and subscribe or share with a friend who may enjoy the episode, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the episode. This is it. And then like when you're doing that and you're like, you look back at the peak of that to then what you're doing now is like, anyone can do it you know yeah. what i mean it's like it and it, you see it in people all the time you know people who have like heroin addicts and stuff and they turn their life around and become like i don't know motivational speakers or what have you like any, anything is possible from whatever situation you are in it's just whether yeah. you want it that much to get there yeah 100 mm. and it's like so for you then obviously when you quit the drinking and you, you started doing the journaling and things like that what was it you found was working for you and sort of changing your mindset and having a bit more of a positive outlook on things you know and looking after your mental health yeah uh well the gratitude journal is probably that's been a really big one Mm. all i do is it's nothing crazy i just write down three things that i'm grateful for each day it's Mm. it's just a little journal it's fucking sitting over there Mm. it's uh i thought it was fucking bullshit when i first tried it but you see so many people that do it and i thought ah fuck it i'll just give it a go and that's generally how i put anything into my habit loop or life or whatever it, you want to call it because i just give it a go and if i think it's any good then it, it stays otherwise it's just turf it but the, the gratitude journal has been a pretty good one mm. i don't know the, the more that i do it the more i see things that i'm grateful for during my day and i start catching myself being super present in the moment i think fuck yeah I'd, i i never would have come to these thoughts in my head without doing that I believe yeah. at least anyway. That's probably that's probably one of the biggest ones. And then the other one would just be being able to spend some time reflecting. Before yeah. before I started doing anything, being able to sit down and reflect on the week, on the quarter and on the year was non-existent. So when I did start to doing that, uh, start to do that, it starts showing you how blaringly obvious there are the things in your life whether you're not looking after your relationships or financially you're fucking around too much or you're drinking too much or you're not doing any exercise because it's it's written down on a piece of paper yeah and you go damn i haven't done anything this week or i haven't put in any effort to any of these things that i want to be considerate of in my life yeah and i think you know being able to sit and reflect on things and also then from that set goals for how you want that next quarter six months you know year to go like I sat down the other day and wrote down the goals that I want for 2024 and the way I find that I can follow them the best is if I put a number to it. So like if it's like say if it's journaling, it's to journal for 200 days of the year. So from today, 
it'll be day one. And then if I miss a day, like obviously, it, like it won't go from like day 13 to day 15. If I miss a day, it's still day 14. Yeah. So it's like, if I get to the end of the year and I've not done the 200, that like I've made a mistake. Because yeah. obviously there's some days you, you literally can't do it because shit happens and you, you know, you're not around to do it and that's fine. But it's like providing that achievable numerical goal, I think mm. helps in achieving these things. Like if you, you know, if you go, I want to run a marathon, you're probably not going to do it because you've not given yourself a time frame to do it. But if you go, I want to run a marathon in six months, there's six months there. Yeah. And you know the end date of that. Yeah, that's that's pretty important, I think, for sure. Mm. That's that's one of the reasons why the Ultraman is, I don't want to learn how to swim. I want to learn how to swim 10K and be able to do everything after the 10K by May. Yeah. Yeah, I think the having the date is definitely important. Oh, shit. So, well, yeah, five five months, fuck me. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be fucking tough on that yeah i was i was pretty worried but this last week was the first time i've been able to put a wetsuit on and swim in the ocean and swim in a lake and i did my first two kilometer swim Hmm. and i didn't feel completely fucked afterwards so i think as long as i keep the training as what i'm doing consistent i think i'll be fine i don't think i'll be battling for the six hour cutoff i think i'll be okay yeah so as well you did the, a lot of the stuff you've done, you've been raising money for the Black Dog Institute, haven't you? So yeah. tell us why you're raising money for them and also what they what they do that in particular you were like, I, I have to do this for them. Yeah, well, um, yeah, my sister uh, committed suicide when I was 19. Mm-hmm. So to be fair, I've never really been much of a charity person or anything along those lines. But when... I knew that there was an opportunity that I could do this Antarctica run and I thought, well, there's absolutely no way I can do it for anything other than mental health and suicide prevention, which is what they do. And when I was looking at the different organizations, uh, I liked them the most, particularly because they are the only people doing research towards that. Okay. And the way I see it is, I think there's a study that says, takes 25 years from research to become commonplace practice mm. so i think the more research you can do the the better we're going to be in the long term yeah this this is a thing i obviously haven't worked in research and seen how long it takes for things to be un- implemented is you know it is literally years mm. and i think the cause you're doing it for as well like because that that's a very like personal one for me and that's like why it became so interesting in your story because obviously the the whole suicide thing and like i was going to do my own episode on it where like i go into my experience because i basically attempted it about seven eight months ago now around then like darkest time of my life and then but and it's it's crazy because when you're in it you don't feel like you can ever get out of it and you don't feel like there's any support there yeah of course and then it was like afterwards because i actually it was during that i started journaling because I was like, because I like had my knee surgery and stuff, and it was like, I was basically couch bound, couldn't do a fucking thing. So I started doing stuff like that, and it was like, I sat and read some of the things I wrote. I was like, fuck, there's actually ways. Like, obviously, when you're in it, it's so hard to see past it, but like, cool. there's so many ways you can help yourself out of it. And like, that for me was one of them. And then obviously, like, reaching out to friends and what have you, and all that kind of thing. But I like, your your story was it was just like it was one of those i was like i've got to have them on because it's like to raise money for such like a good cause and then obviously you've raised what nearly twenty eight thousand dollars of your thirty thousand total like you've fucking smashed it like it's crazy well i think 
fingers crossed there should be one more donation that comes that should put it over 30 so mm. hopefully i'm pretty keen yeah that's good in terms of like working with them and stuff like that you like you've said in interviews that you've not you never used to really take your mental health that seriously you didn't really understand it so what was it that like was it that moment in your life where your sister committed suicide that you were like i need to start looking at like reflecting on myself or was it like later on that you were like i've got to you know fix this uh i think it was i think it was much later on when i was 19 like i'm 26 now Mm. 19 feels like a, a long long time ago and in terms of maturity it was long 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 ago so I think at, at 19, I had absolutely no idea about mental health. And it was it's obvious to me now because I look back on it and I didn't know anything about my sister's conditions. I had no idea that she was had any problems at all. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I just really didn't know anything about anything. Mm-hmm. And once uh, she committed suicide and we had to go through that grieving process and and do all that i still didn't know anything about it and i think it's only as mental health has been a lot more prevalent in society today than it was you know seven years ago or whatever Mm. it's um it's just slowly learning bits and pieces and the more that i read and the more that i learn is the more that i don't know i feel better and that's the that's where all the stuff on the instagram comes from it's just me regurgitating all the little things i'm like oh fuck that's a good way to think about it maybe someone else might like that or maybe someone else might get some useful tips out of maybe something that i've thought about because i think it's reframing in just general is really difficult to do if you're in a specific uh, mindset i think Mm. so i think right now i'm in a really good mindset i'm really proud of the mindset that i've cultivated and i see things in so many different lights that i hope that maybe i see something and i say hey maybe you shouldn't think about it like this maybe you should try thinking about it like this and there's plenty of times when people do that to me and i think fuck mm. that's such a good way to think about it and, yeah. it and it puts things in such a different light mm. it's like i had a conversation with um an adventurer called will cope state and i was talking to him about how because obviously when you're on long expeditions and things like that he obviously your moods can change pretty drastically and Something that he said in that I took on board because I thought it was really valuable and it's so small. It was he every day when he's writing in his journal, he writes down on a scale of one to 10 how he feels. And then daily, you can then put that on a chart and figure out like, so, you know, it's okay to have a bad day. Mm. But if you're having continuous bad days, why are you having them? Like, yeah. what is it? Is it this really shit weather? Like, you know, in his case, like, is it is it the shit weather? You know, as is has he got an injury as he's doing it like that kind of thing is yeah. that what's causing it or is it like something deep down that's like you need to change yeah you need to start to work through yeah and like just literally writing down a number between one and ten every day that's an interesting way to do it do yeah. you do that with your journaling i do it now yeah because it's like with that like i do it i usually do it of an evening so i've had the full day to sort of like sit because sometimes in the morning i feel like you can wake up in a certain mood and it's like yeah. it's just not reflective of how you actually feel yeah Whereas when it's the end of the day, like I can sit there and be like, okay, how has my day actually been? And sometimes like, you know, you're right for because it's like, I've not done enough to work towards the things I want to work towards. Yeah. And that, that's on me. But it could yeah. literally be something like, you know, the other week I was stuck in like four hours of traffic. That's shit. It's just shit that <laughs> happens that like, it does make your day a bit shit, but also mm. it's, that's, that's when you can kind of write off. It's yeah. not, it's not a big thing. Whereas like the ones where it's like, I need to work on this 
you, you know that that's what you have to work on yeah. to get there kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good little one. That's a good yeah. little one. Yeah, maybe start it. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously with it being New Year's as well, so you've got your goal of the, the Ultraman yeah. coming up in May. What other things have you have you sort of got that you want to work towards this year? That like like not resolutions, but what sort of goals and things are you trying to achieve? Um, well, every well, I started this last year, but every year I'm gonna make a, sort of like a theme for the year. Mm. So uh, last year's theme was all about personal development, and this year's theme is all about consistency. Okay. So for me, I think being consistent has been really positive uh, has been such a positive impact on the tail end of last year as in the, the 160 days in a row running and being reasonably consistent with the content output and i only see benefits to being consistent so i think this year is where the consistency is my biggest focus and that comes along with uh, training is probably primary primarily yeah primarily <laughs> primarily <laughs> we got that yeah, yeah we'll go there <laughs> Primarily the focus with the training, um, particularly at the moment, obviously with swimming, just trying to learn how to swim. Um, content creation is is pretty up there with the consistency, but yeah, it's also with that is the consistently pushing myself to see what the the next ceiling is. So the mm-hmm. Ultraman is uh, is first up this year. That's taken up all of my attention right now. I think probably Gold Coast Marathon. I want to see if I can go sub three hours. Ooh. Which is, I had to drop 32 minutes, so we'll see. I think it's I mean, a pretty ambitious goal. It's but. been done. People do it. They <laughs> do it, so you, know, you never know. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't know. I don't consider myself a very good runner compared to other people. Not mm. fast, at least, anyway. Yeah. So that's going to be a pretty ambitious one, I think. Um, the end of the year is the, the King of the Hill, um, Hardcore Harry's King of the Hill. Okay. I think it's a last man standing, 3.2K loop. Up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, and back around. Fuck me. <laughs> so it'll be my, f- it might be my first uh, last man standing. So I'm, that's been a, a big goal of mine to see how far I can go. I would love yeah. to to do plus 24 hours. I think they're really interesting because if they feel like at the start, when people start to drop off, that's just like, you know, I, if people will always drop off. But then when it's down to, say, the final 10, that's like a, that's a battle. That is because, an absolute battle. Because that's where people are like, I am not fucking leaving unless I drop. Like, yeah. And, you know, you, I feel like, the, the say, if there's 100 people racing, the first 90 will drop off, like, pretty quickly. It's those last 10. Yeah. That's where you're spending your longest amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty keen for that one. I've wanted to do a last man standing for a while, so mm-hmm. this is going to be a good one. It would be cool to do another one earlier in the year, but I don't think I'll be able to stick it, fit it in anywhere, because then... I want to see if I can stick a hundred miler in there somewhere, mm. but more importantly, I'm going to run Sydney to Melbourne towards the end of the year, maybe September. So that's 800 K, right? Yeah. I'm going to try and, well, I don't know, 800 to 1100, whatever route you take. Yeah. But I'm going to try and do it a hundred Ks a day. I want to do it as a bit of a prep for maybe a longer run later on. Mm. That's, that'd be an interesting one. That yeah. definitely would. So like logistically, how would you go about that? Cause obviously you need a team for that. Yeah, I've been thinking about that one a fair bit. Mm. My old man's retired, so I'm hoping maybe he could tag along. <laughs> he could maybe tag along for it. Yeah, I'm building a uh, uh, like a camper truck at the moment. Okay, because I have a bus. His name's Barry, mm. and I, I got a truck now, like a work truck, big long tray on it. Yeah, and I want to build that into a camper and potentially use that as a support vehicle. 
Otherwise, cool. maybe we could get some mad sponsors in yeah. and um and just uh, hotel it every night because I suppose it's only a bit over a week. Mm. But I don't know. We'll see how we go. I haven't thought a lot about that one. I just know it's 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 happening. It's happening. Yeah. So in terms of like obviously trying to get sponsors and things like that, what are you are you reaching out to a lot of companies and you know obviously writing the the, the little promo to them because like obviously me doing a podcast, I send hundreds of emails to people and it's, <laughs> it's just like it's the longest task in the world mm. to do, but it obviously has to be done. And for yourself, doing you know sponsorship is a necessary thing for big events like that so how you how do you go about that with them yeah that's a good question um i would say not very well at the moment Mm. so like for the antarctica one i I did end up getting a fair few businesses which i'm really proud of our partnerships and they all went to donating because i just wanted to raise as much money as possible Mm. so now i'm gonna have to flip the script a little bit and start to get them to pay for because i'm I'm not made of money that's Mm. for sure yeah so yeah, I, I'm gonna have to send a lot of emails this year, and hopefully we can find some really good sponsors. I met a guy, uh, Louis Alexander, that did the the Antarctica Marathon mm-hmm. as well. You should actually inter- interview him; he's a really interesting, dude. Okay, I'll have a look at. But he's a a professional explorer. Okay, which sounds like bullshit. Nah, I've, I've had a few of them on. I've had a few. It sounds like bullshit, but when I heard it, I was like, "What the fuck is a professional explorer?" Mm. But. <laughs> He gets paid to advertise for these companies that let him do these wicked adventures. And I would, I mean, I'd be lying if I couldn't say that I would love to do something like that. Yeah. This is it. I had uh, Charlie Walker on. He's a professional explorer. And he, so basically he got big because he ended up on Joe Rogan because he got arrested in Russia because they thought he was a spy. It was as the war broke out. <laughs> and they thought he was a spy and he was in prison for like, I think it was a month. Jesus. Um, and like it obviously story sort of blew up but yeah he, his thing is like he cycled across africa years ago he did the eurasia border like traveled the entire length of that like he does these crazy long expeditions yeah. and before him i was like professional explorer doesn't sound like a real thing i feel like yeah. it's bullshit but it, like genuinely they just get paid to do that it's fucking crazy yeah yeah i would like to do that but more endurance not explorer yeah i just imagine if I didn't work for 12 hours, how much better I would be as yeah. an athlete. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. that would be sick. Because it's like, I bet when you've, you know, when you've come in from your 10, 15K run, whatever, and you're like, oh, God, I did recovery. Now I'll just sack it off. To t- like, it's, it's one of those things because it's like an added 30, 40 minutes. And then you, but then it's like, you know, if you're doing your, your mobility, your stretching, what have you, you're then missing out on the sleep that you need to get. So it's like, you kind of, it's a catch-22 situation because if you have one, you still can't have full of the other. Yeah. And it's like you're always missing out on something. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the sleep is more important than anything else. Absolutely. Mm. So there is no recovery. There's just fucking sleep. Yeah. But I do think about that a lot and I would love to quit my job and just do this full-time, but mm. we'll see. It yeah. doesn't pay the bills just yet. Yeah. I bet you're like campaigned at the minute where your legs are just like fucking bricks. <laughs> you know, no mobility whatsoever. No, yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> hasn't seen a 90-90 in like fucking five years or something. <laughs> right. But yeah, so and then in terms of like the content creation as well, I'm interested in that because obviously would you work in all these hours and then you're obviously out and trying to get your runs done. And then if you are like trying to eat and what have you, how, how, A, how did you learn to edit? Was that during COVID? And then B, keeping the consistency of that, even when you're working and you're obviously doing long hours and it's it's so easy to just go, oh, fuck it, I'll post it tomorrow. 
Like, yeah. How are you getting through that? Yeah, I think uh, was, COVID was a pretty formative time. You're bang on. I learned how to edit during COVID. I wouldn't say I'm any fucking very good editor, but I'm good enough to get by. Yeah. So yeah, I was heavily invested in the photography and videography. And before I was doing running, I was making content for that. Mm. And fuck, man, it's hard to be consistent with that kind of stuff because it's got to be so polished and it's got to look nice. And I was doing all that sort of stuff and I found it so difficult. And then when I started this page, it was never difficult ever again. It was, yeah. I just love talking about this shit so much that it is it is so easy to make the content. Like I think about before when I was doing photography stuff, it was really hard to think of ideas. It was really hard to get the the activation energy to go and do these things and now i have ideas coming to me 24 7 because it's the kind of thing that i'm already thinking about throughout the day different things that i'm i'm seeing and i'm reframing and i see different people doing things and i think Mm -hmm. about and it's it's all just coming to me i'm just writing all of it down and yeah it's it's really easy to make the content it's difficult to be consistent and i started a little bit doing some batch recordings but I think doing the the 160 days running in a row, that consistency has taught me a lot about other consistency and how bad you really want things and how much effort you're really willing to put in. Because mm. the more I think about it, the more I look at, say, how long I've spent looking at my shoes or how long I've spent looking at my phone, I think I could have just edited a reel right there or I could have recorded something or I could have sat there and done something else other than absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. So the more... I get better with the consistency the more I realize how much more output I actually have Mm. to give yeah and it's like for like for me doing this it's like when I saw you in Ireland I was like fuck I need to get this done yeah and but then there was that thing in the back of my head I was like oh but there's the cost of flights and all this I was like what the fuck does it matter like if if, if I want it that bad I'll do it like and it's that kind of thing and it's like again like with Rob Pope calling all the pubs in the area trying just trying to find somewhere to interview him exactly and it's like if you want it enough you will you will make the effort to get it done kind of exactly thing. i've heard uh stephen bartlett on diary of a ceo talk about um i think it was the activation energy scale and the fuck what was the other scale it was um oh like your why mm. like how oh sorry how hard is it and how much do you want to do it yeah and if it's not hard and you don't really want to do it, uh, you might do it. But if it's not hard and you really want to do it, you'll do it every time. Mm. But if it's if it's hard and you don't really want to do it, like you'll never do it. So it's like balancing that sort of equation yeah. to make something as easy as it possibly can be for you to begin. Yeah, I think about that a lot with the creating the content is like all of it's on my phone. I'm probably a better editor on my laptop and I can make better stuff, but it's how quickly can I churn it out? How easily can I make it? If I just do it on my phone, it's like, it's so easy. It doesn't, yeah. you don't have to put that much effort in. And if you don't put that much effort in, you punch out more content, you get to spread words that you think might help people more. And if that's not the end of the end of the game, like that, if that's not the game that you're playing, then you're playing the wrong game, I yeah. think. And that's the thing as well. Like when I started learning how to edit the video, audio, the reels, all that for this, it was so fucking hard at the start. Like, it was, it's just, it's draining because you know when you're just making mistake after mistake and you're yeah. like, am I ever going to get this done? And then now it's at a point where like with the theme of the reels that I have, I know exactly what to do step by step. Like, it can do it second nature. But it's then like, it's the 
sometimes it just becomes because I like say for a podcast I'll produce like six reels and it's doing the same monotonous task over and over I'm like fuck it's just long but then I'm like no it's for the purpose of like if I don't if I don't do the reels it doesn't get the exposure and then if I don't get the exposure it don't get better get like bigger and better guests on who are coming on all the time and stuff yeah. and it's like there's it's fine I think it's with that that balancing that like how much do you want it and how hard is it it's like it's finding the purpose to make it if it's hard to make it worthwhile I yeah think. it's like it's finding again finding that why behind why you would do it so yeah exactly mm. yeah i think without that why you're stuck doing fuck all it's uh, i think it's the same reason why when people lose a lot of weight they start dieting they're eating healthy and then once they lose all that weight that why slowly diminishes and then they balloon back out again and you go well, now you got your why back, so you got to go do it again. It's a repeated cycle, mm. but really they need to, they use that initial why, now they need to find a new why of why they continue to do the things that they want to do. It's like Tyson Fury is the greatest example of that. You know, he literally, he, his entire life was dedicated to being a world champion. Mm. And when he achieved it, he was like, what now? There was no why anymore. Yeah. That's when he fell off the rails. He gained like 200 pounds and, you know, he almost died as a result of it. And then he came back to boxing lost all the weight, became a world champion again. But then the thing is with him, because like obviously there's some things where you can constantly find a why and it's beneficial. Mm. But in his case, like it's such a tough one because he is in a sport where you can die and you can end up with injuries which can affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And obviously he's got a family and kids to think about, but he, because he can't find a why in anything else, he keeps coming back to this sport, which is slowly, you know, killing him in a way and it's like sometimes it's like you've got to get away from the thing that gave you the why in the first place and find something new yeah because it can might it just might not serve you anymore yeah but fuck he's one of the best boxers all the time he is but like do you want to see the man at like 50 in a wheelchair you know because he's got like brain injuries left and right like yeah well you see Shaquille O'Neal DJing (laughs) he's got to get that game seven energy (laughs) that's it (laughs) We need to get a DJ set up for fucking for the Gypsy King. Can you imagine it? <laughs> Fuck me. Get it, you <laughs> big dosser. <laughs> He'd be fucking right. He would, honestly. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. Some some things like, you know, if it's for me, when I was running, so my knee injury was a result of, like, it, I couldn't help it. Basically, my kneecap was in two pieces but essentially because of that one of them was mobile and because of running for so many years playing football and what have you it was rubbing bone on bone and it like messed up the ligaments in my knee mm. so running i had to find another another why because it was like I, running was my thing i was like this, i fucking love this yeah and then it was like that's why i then took up swimming because i was like fuck i need something else because if i don't have anything else i've got nothing yeah and it's like it's finding those things that are like they keep you they keep you sane basically yeah pretty much and without them like you know it's fucking like i've seen it firsthand where so the population i was working with in my phd a lot of them so it's a it's a population anyway that are you know they have higher rates of depression they tend to drink more smoke more you know negative habits and speaking to a lot of them i'd be like so what what do you do not much like i'm like no hobbies now watch netflix i'm like straight away it's a problem like yeah you, you set like stuff like that where you don't have either a creative outlet or a physical outlet yeah you, i feel like you're finished straight away yeah well 
it's it's an easy opportunity for you then to say, well, what do I have to live for if if there's nothing else other than fucking watching Netflix? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I hope everyone gets something. But yeah. you're right, physical or creative, something that just stimulates you that you get to wake up and say, fuck, yeah, it'd be good to go for a run today. It'd be good to fucking do the Sudoku, whatever it is. Yeah, literally. It's like, it's, and that's why, like, I did the podcast because the work I was doing wasn't, there was no creative outlet. Like, mm. it was quite structured. So having this was like, I had free reign to do whatever I wanted, ask whatever questions I want. Someone wants to turn around and go, I'm not answering that. That's fine. Like, yeah. at least I tried. <laughs> and, you know, I've had some people turn around and do exactly that. But then others have asked the question. They're like, that's a really good fucking question. Yeah. And it's like, and you're also then, you know, you figure it, it's that, that figuring out, like, right, what part of this hour and what have we been going for here? Like, hour and five minutes. What of that hour and five minutes, how am I going to get five clips? Like, which are going to be the best ones yeah. to post online kind of thing? And it's like, figuring stuff like that out, it, I just feel like it. It stimulates the brain in a completely different way to like just your normal day to day job. Does that make sense? You know, it becomes the routine. Yeah, yeah. You're just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's uh, it's not healthy. That's a uh, there's a uh, is a Jesse Jesse Schultz or something. One. It's yeah, a, uh, entrepreneur. Jesse he Isler. Wrote, yeah, that's yeah. the one. I oh, fucking can never say his last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let someone else say. It. Yeah. <laughs> But he, he has his deal as like do one hard thing a year and I fucking vibe with that so yeah. much. After doing Antarctica, I see how much my life changed just from that one event. It mm. just cascaded a whole bunch of different things to happen in my life and I think, fuck, mm. next year, what's the next big thing or what's another big thing? Something that could also be such a catalyst for change or be an opportunity to learn something completely different. Yeah. So I always think about that people that don't have a goal or don't have something that they're looking forward to other than a fucking holiday. Yeah. I think yeah, you ought to challenge yourself. See, I used to be a I used to be very much like that. It used to be just like holiday. The goal was a holiday. And then it's all well and good exploring places and doing things like that, but eventually you do get to a point where it become it's it's the hedonic treadmill almost. You yeah. just you you're doing a little bit more, seeking that little bit more dopamine, but it doesn't really hit you as much as it did the first time. Like, you know, when I first landed in Australia and moved there, I was like, because everything was so different. I was like, what in the fuck? Like, it's just <laughs> so different. And But then, like, obviously, I came back here, I went back, and it was that, like, that gone. It just, yeah. that feeling had gone. And it was like, people get that with it. Like, you know, obviously, with being on your phone all the time, you're just on that hedonic treadmill and, I think even if you, it doesn't even have to be a big thing. If it's just something like, I want to learn a new skill. Yeah. Like, I want to go and learn to surf. Go and fucking do it. Like, it's, and that's, and, but a lot of people that's like, I want to. I'm like, go on then. And they're like, oh, well, I've got, you know, I've got this to do and I've got work. Oh, fucking hell, you're never going to do it then, are you? Yeah. I think there's a lot of excuses that can be made for literally anything. And everybody makes excuses. You and I both, I imagine. I make excuses all the time. I do. So often. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's being able to, it's, yeah, it's just a mindset thing. It only mm. takes one click where you're like, fuck, I, yeah. can, I can do that or I mm. can try that. Or you do it and you're like, oh, I'm actually not as bad as I thought I was. Or that activation energy that it took me to try, oh, it wasn't even that bad. Yeah. It was all in my head where I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to put my shoes on. Oh, I, I don't want to go swimming. I suck. People will laugh at me. Mm. And then you do it and you're like, oh. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. And it was all in my head. It's like posting your first, like for me, the first podcast, for you probably the first video you posted online. I sat on that for months, <laughs> shitting myself, like thinking, 
everyone's going to say something and like i was like it's just going to be people are just going to give me shit for it and this and that and then i did it and it was just nothing but it's, it's literally you build it up in your head yeah and it's just the excuses they're not even real like it's just you've you've just got this idea in your head that you're putting it putting yourself off being where you want to be based on nothing exactly and it's it seems crazy to me because you would get that satisfaction of talking to fucking some really amazing guests like cool people and then what's hanging you up about talking to more cool people is i wonder what fucking Gemma down the road is gonna (laughs) say it's like fuck that bitch (laughs) you get to talk to some wicked people and have these crazy good experiences that you'll be able to take forever and you, yeah. you'll be sitting at the bar one day you'll be like oh i met this fucking guy this is it he ran across america five times and mm. that's an experience that nobody else will have apart from you because you put yourself out there you got to do all these you put in the work to be able to mm. be in that position to do that and this is it like i like i would never have met you if i didn't mm. like ask ask you to do the interview and it's like the amount of people that you get to meet as a result of that and then for you as well like the people you're running the races with like the people in antarctica like i bet they're some of the the craziest fucking people you've ever met in your life and you're like i would never have met them if i didn't put this work in yeah to get to this point exactly well it goes both ways like i would have never met you if you'd never reached out if Mm. i'd never done this the same as you're right the people in antarctica fucking Mm. i do a marathon yeah no dramas man (laughs) all the people around me normally is like do a marathon yeah this it's so funny because like it's like my my dad was baffled that I was just flying to Belfast for a day. I'm like, it's thirty minutes. Like, but in his, because of his the way his life and world is, that's a massive thing to just get on a flight for a day. And I'm like, it's just like that's just now I feel like a normal thing. Yeah. But like, you, people get so stuck in like that. It's like small town, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's like exactly. small town thing. Like they don't see outside of that. And if like you know, there's always like the one guy who does this, and you're now like the one guy who does the fucking marathons all the time. And it's like, you know, they, they, they see it and they're like, oh, it's not achievable. When it really fucking is. If you if you break it down to the very start, it's so achievable for people to go and do it. Yeah. The more I hear people say that's crazy, the more I see into their brain straight away and say, it's not crazy to run a marathon. Think about how many probably thousands and thousands and thousands of people run a marathon every year, probably even their first one. It is not a crazy adventure to do that. And it's if you hear someone say that's crazy or you're crazy or I can't believe you you did that, the first thing I think is, oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. You need to change your mindset because you're looking too low. You're thinking that something is crazy and it's not achievable for you. And really, it is 100% achievable for everybody to, to train and run a marathon. It's putting yourself in a box that you don't even realize you're in yeah and it's it's come straight from your language Mm. it's the same way when you say i have to do this i have to do that when it should be i get to do this i get to do that and i I think about the language that we use all the time and you know when you're talking about next year like i'm gonna try and do this like i will do that and i will do this and it's it Mm. changes a very big thing in your brain the same way as when i when i decided i'm gonna do this ultraman and i thought well fuck i can't swim and then I started saying, I can't swim yet. Yeah. And I'm not a very good swimmer yet. And that for me has been a pretty big help because how many years have I been telling myself I can't swim? I, I drown. I'm scared of the water. I'm, I don't like it when I can't touch the bottom. Mm. How many times have I said that? And now it only takes a lot of effort to say yet at the end of it. 
but it changes the whole mindset from I will never swim to I'm not there yet. So when did you start picking up on like the language you were using? Was that through the gratitude journal? Was that like just in general you realized like I'm like because I, I I'll admit like I that's one thing I need to get better at is I use a lot of negative language. Yeah. That it does it, it like you don't even realize it but subconsciously it does hinder what you do yeah exactly uh, there's a podcast called the mindset mentor with rob dial jr very very good podcast that i used to listen to religiously and it talks a lot about um the way you speak to yourself and stuff like that and the more i thought about it the more i started picking up on it and i'd pick up on other people the way that they spoke about themselves and it would make me a little bit sad when i'd hear someone be like oh i could never do that or this is this is you you can do that or you have this privilege that you have this body that can do that i could never possibly do that and the more you notice it the more it is blaringly obvious to you and the more you change your habits to associate yourself yeah yes and like for myself like i know so i've like last year i wanted to do a marathon and it was because of the injury that I couldn't do it. Like it was just like a, there was a point where before surgery, going up and down stairs, I was like a fucking OAP. Like there was there was no way I was going up and down stairs. I was taking the lift everywhere. Like it yeah. was fucked. Whereas now, like I'm back running. Like I did my first five k in ten months on Christmas Day. Fuck yeah! And it was like the oh that feeling. I was like I'm fucking back. Like, <laughs> I'm going for this shit. So like my birthday's in May, and the the goal is like on my birthday. I'm like first marathon. That's when I want to do it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And it's Where are you like, going to do it? Wherever. Wherever? Yeah. Like, I'm not, because this is my thing also. I don't, I, I like events, but also, like, my birthday's on, a, I think, a Tuesday. There's yeah. not going to be a race on a Tuesday. So nah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get out there. I'll probably be, like, because I hate my birthday. Hate it. So, like, I usually go away and fill my day with as much shit as possible. And that, that'll probably fill my day. Yeah, that'll fill the majority yeah. of your day. Yeah, but I want to do it, like, abroad. I think somewhere in Europe, just you know, like Barcelona along the beach, just somewhere nice along the beach. Yeah, mate. Oh, beach is a windy butt. Uh, but you know, add a little challenge to it. You know, that would be nice. Do it on the sand, <laughs> then you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I just run through the fucking water, shall I? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like you know, like that's like it's it's putting again, it's putting that new numerical value on it. Like my birthday, you know, it's I know it's the twenty first of May. That's the day I've got to be prepared for, and even if I walk. The last 10k of it i'm gonna fucking do it because i i have it there now yeah and i've put it off for way too long whether it be through injury or just being an absolute pussy and i'm like that is gonna be if i have to walk the full thing i will yeah like it's just gotta be done kind of thing yeah well that's a good mindset to take into it yeah well could be good could end up in another injury but who knows <laughs> yeah but you'll finish the marathon exactly so i'll crawl it i'll yeah. just go to hospital after it's be sweet yeah. you only have to do it once yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't it? You do it once, you end up doing it about fifty times because it's that like you want to do better every single time. Yeah, yeah, for I you, think so. For your first marathon, like, so when you finished it, was that like were you almost that like ah, I've done that now, or was it a, I want to do another and I want to get better? Yeah, faster straight away. Because when I did my first marathon, I was just by myself. Well, actually, I did two marathons. Well, most of my marathons have just been by myself. So I've only done the Melbourne Marathon in 2023 and the Antarctic. They're the only official ones I've done. So I did I did one in COVID one week and then the very next week I did another one. Mm. And then I tried to do another one and then I hurt my knee. So I 
tried to do three in three weeks, but I, had, I hurt my knee in the last one. But the, as soon as I did the first one, it was easily the hardest thing I'd ever done running because I'd never run anything close to a marathon before. And I, uh, I wasn't, I had no idea about training, nutrition. I didn't know you're supposed to eat gels or fucking yeah. absolute anything. I was just running and mm. just trying to see if I could do it. So the first one was pretty nice, but as soon as I did it, I was already in that mindset where I was running, you know, five days a week and I was just running as hard as I could on every run. Yeah. So then the next week I tried to go again. I think I was slower the second one and the third one I got injured. Fuck. Yeah, because that's, that's actually what set my knee off like originally. So it's been a problem for a couple of years and it was because when I started running, I was just going like, I was running like seven minute miles. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like looking back on it, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing that for? Like who who am I trying to impress here? Like running that quick. And like now like I've started back running again. I'm like ten minute, eleven minute a mile, just chilling, coasting, like just what's a it. what's a mile to kilometer? Oh, fuck. <laughs> fucking hell. What's a seven minute mile? <laughs> oh, I think it's like seven minute mile, I think is about you're talking like four thirty a kilometer, maybe a bit less. That's too fast. Yeah. That's way too fast. Too fast. And like now I'm like eleven minutes, yeah, eleven minutes to. to that's like seven or something then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's slow. That's I'm good. Just, I'm just chilling. Slow and steady. Yes. Yeah, but that's everyone's first problem when they start is they try and run as fast as they can because they think about everybody else looking at them run. Yeah. Like I watched my my good mate lose all that weight. Now I've got another good mate who's trying to do the same, and he he's did his first 5k which is fucking awesome it's cool to watch one guy do it and now i get to watch another guy do it jason mccain fucking shout out (laughs) i want to see him drop a bunch of weight and run but it's cool to call him out now yeah 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 yeah. better do it (laughs) but it's it's cool to watch but also it's we got like a little running group chat and it's you can see the same like oh i'm not running fast enough or i'm not doing that and it's cool because there's guys now around that are like no 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 slow it the fuck down almost walk keep it everything so it's it's cool because i wish i had that and i'm glad that i can at least do a little bit of that for somebody else Mm. yeah so in terms of injuries and stuff as well because obviously with running 160 days in a row and you know doing the marathons obviously you said you fucked your knee but after when you got back into running again like have you had any injuries since then and like how have you been dealing with them to keep the running streak going and also keep on top of prep for like Antarctica and things? Yeah, that was probably one of the things I was worried about most because my recovery is virtually fuck all. <laughs> I'm not, like I do an ice bath when I'm back in Melbourne. That was probably the best thing I ever bought, but I only bought that just before, I don't know, October and then I haven't been back in Melbourne since then. So, yeah. So it's just it's been useless. For this, yeah, yeah. This prep, I, I like. used it for about a week. <laughs> and then I packed it up and that, left. That week sorted for the entire prep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't really had any injuries apart from I really fucked both my knees when I did a marathon a day for seven days. Hmm. And it really sucked because it was in the very first marathon that I fucked my right knee. Oh. And I was scared about posting the first video saying that I was doing the challenge and that the first day was done because I was like, fuck. I'm hurt already. Yeah. Should I post it? I kind of feel like if I post it, I have to do these seven. Yeah. And what if I fail? And I was I was actually pretty scared to be honest. But then I was like, fuck it, just posted it. And then yeah, I just struggled all seven of those marathons. And then it made me think about people who've done 150 in a row. And I thought, fuck me, dead man. <laughs> I did. First one, my right knee hurt. Then every day my right knee was playing up from about the 30k mark, and it was just 
pure pain. There was one day the right hip flexor was gone and I had to walk about 15Ks. Oh. That was on day six. That, uh, yeah, that was that was just absolute pain. And then day seven, it didn't bother me. and I just powered through it. Mm. So I don't know. I'm really just powering through everything. But Fucking thankfully, hell. I haven't had anything that's been a real showstopper except for those ones yeah. during that. And a, and the hundred k run, I had a bit of a bit of knee pain as well. Mm. I started mucking around a bit with um, Ben Patrick's uh, knees, knees over toes. Yeah, knees over toe guys. Mm. Got got a lot of, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's really done a lot because I haven't been super consistent with it. But when my knee did hurt, I banged on that so consistently. Well, to be fair, it does wonders. Like because my knee after surgery, I like my range was limited to like you're talking. 180 to hit so i had to i had to get like the full range and now like so i can sit in like it's called like the caesar position you know where you sit on like the top on your shins and the tops of your feet and sit back so you're in like full knee flexion and it's like but doing stuff that from his like program and what have you like it's a godsend like it's not for everyone and i don't think it's like the be all and end all of like you know training but this because at the end of the day he addresses things that no one else does hip flexors and tip anterior like yeah. no one addresses that shit yeah no one talks about that and when i listened to his podcast with joe rogan he also mentioned about the 25 year a gap between learning things in research and then actually implementing them and i mm. thought fuck man this guy is way ahead of the curve yeah in that industry so i think he definitely knows what he's talking about yeah so and yeah. The, the thing is as well he's one of the very few people who work in the industry who actually focus on triple flexion which is like obviously you've got your triple extension in running but no one ever focuses on that triple flexion, that knee drive, and mm. you know, getting the hip, the hip flexion, uh, your tib anterior working, and things like that. And he's like probably the first person I saw who was like, "No, this is so important," and yeah. you know, like getting people focused on that is like it's massive for preventing injuries. I think. Yeah, it's definitely something I need to work a lot more on mm. this coming year. Is his regime, and I want to work a lot more on barefoot um, running and strengthening the feet. See, barefoot stuff. Oh. I'm like I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I have had the same pair of barefoot shoes for like four years, yeah. and they are fucked. But <laughs> I I refuse to get rid of them because like I've hiked mountains in them. Like literally done so much in them, and it's like they're, they're so once you adapt to it. Like because I got them because again another surgery. I'm injury prone as fuck. <laughs> so I had like foot surgery and I lost the the range of movement in my big toe and your big toe is like the yeah. most important yeah. one and the doctor said to me he was like yeah you're not getting that range back i was like oh fuck yourself i'm getting that back as soon as possible yeah so started doing a lot of like basically foot strengthening like whether it be like towel like grabbing a towel with my toes or like just squats like standing on the toes and stuff like that into like a, it's like a terminal knee extension but like you so you go from a standing position to your knees touching the floor while your hips are like extended it's like i was doing like <laughs> i was doing some mad shit to get there and then it was like i got into the barefoot movement mm. i was like oh that's the shit you need yeah yeah i read the book born to run by christopher someone i, I still need to read that i've been recommended it so it's many a, times. it's a really good read okay and once i read that i was like fuck there's no way i can't go barefoot now <laughs> so i i did bought i bought a pair of tarkine primals yeah I tried them a couple of times, but they're back in Australia. I haven't been back there for a couple of months. Using now. that as an excuse now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have, you could have taken the ice bath, the shoes, everything, over <laughs> really, but you fucking didn't. Is what it is. Oh, lazy prick. <laughs> but yeah, I want. It's something I want to get a lot more into. There's another product called uh, Soulmate. 
I think I can't remember who it's by, but it's like a little uh, cork um, thing with some yeah. elastic bands and yeah, shit. Yeah, I know what you're on about. Yeah, I want to get a lot more into it. I'd love to run some marathons barefoot. I think that'd be really cool as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I can't remember the guy's name. He does it in sandals. He does like, he'll go and run a marathon on a mountain in sandals. I'm like, you're just, you're just asking for shit here. Yeah. Because like, it, it, like, it's fucking crazy to be able to get to that point. Like, mm. you know, because at the end of the day, like you look at, the run shoes and the jet like the evolution of running shoes like the 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 heel like the drop was never it was never needed it was a like it was a marketing ploy mm. to get people to buy the shoes yeah and then when it turned out we actually don't need to heel strike because it's actually decelerative in nature in nature like and you're like oh shit i could actually just have zero drop shoes and like we'd never needed like this massive stack height on the shoe and stuff like that and because i used to run like heel like heel what would you call it back foot first rather than forefoot yeah and changing to forefoot like absolutely changed it for me yeah because then a lot of that was learning through like barefoot motion as well because it's like it's almost that like because it's like a spring then rather than like you just hitting the brakes every yeah. single time it makes you feel so much better yeah i'm really interested in it it's one of those things that i look at and i'm thinking Obviously, this is what we were meant to do. Mm. But I also think running shoes make you heaps fucking faster. So I think I want to implement barefoot running into my training, flat Vicky, and try and get really strong feet, and then only use the good run, the good uh, like the fast runners mm. during the races. Because I, I think there's a balance where you can mix and match, and it's going to make me a lot faster. But at the same time, I probably need to just run more. <laughs> yeah well it's, this is it though as well like the the race shoes so i had becky Briggs on who's like she like professional marathon runner yeah legend and she was telling me that it's something like so the the ones with the carbon fiber plates they only last like 60k at full full performance mm. so like you really only get one race out of them yeah and the, and the like and but you see people walking around in them, like on like shopping and stuff, and I'm like, they're uncomfortable to walk around. I don't in understand. Those race shoes. Yeah, I don't understand how people do it. I mean, you feel like you could literally sprint anywhere and do anything, but like to walk around in them and stuff, and then like you see people using them as like a daily runner, and yeah, they don't nice. realize that it's like you are you've just put a cast on your foot mm. with a carbon fiber plate because your foot cannot move. You can't do anything in that. Nah. nah, it's interesting. It is very interesting. Mm. So. Obviously, we've been going now for like, what, an hour and 20 odd? I don't want to take too much more of your time because obviously your girlfriend's gone out and <laughs> just left us be. Um, but yeah, I have one final question that I always ask everyone, and that is how would you like to be remembered? Yeah, that's a good question. I heard this on um, Old Mate, who's the... Forrest Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was he's made a lot of sense where he talked about um, being remembered for being just a stand-up guy. Yeah. I would like that, but I think I would like to be remembered as a reasonably normal person that just had a crack. And I think we can all look at someone who just has a crack and be able to say, I can fucking do that. That yeah. guy's knows more special than me. And I don't think I am any more special than anybody else. Yeah. I think just a normal guy who had a crack. I love it. Nice one. Appreciate yeah. you coming on. Cheers, brother. Appreciate it. Nice one. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that episode with Alex. Um, he's an amazing person. 
an amazing philosophy behind what he's doing and I wish him all the best in the future. I can't wait till I get out to Melbourne in October and I can do another episode with him and chat hopefully about his Ultraman that he's doing in May um, and all the other crazy shit that he'll be doing because this guy has got a lot in the tank and has got so much more left to give so I can't wait to see it all. So remember to go like, subscribe, share the podcast and also follow Alex and support him on his journey and donate whenever donation pages are available from him. And um, yeah, I'll see you next Monday for another episode.